When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next level, nothing personal word of the day for Monday, September 27th, 2021 is next level, as in next level trolling. It's a word that we use a lot more often now with social media. You're trolling me. I'm trolling you. We're trolling each other. Trolling is when you do something. This is my definition of trolling. The boomer definition of trolling is when you do something that you know is done for the sole purpose of getting a rise out of people who have the ability to change their mind about something that you really want them to do. Got that? I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays who are going to clinch not only the division, which they did in baseball, the season's coming to an end. This is the last week of the Major League Baseball season. But the Rays clinch the division and they're going to clinch the best record in the American League, which means they're going to host the American League Championship Series, if they make it that far. They will host the World Series if the Dodgers and Giants are out by then. So I could sit here and talk for a whole show about what happened this weekend in baseball and talk about Stanton and talk about all these amazing races. And we're going to get to it throughout the course of this weekend, October. We're the place to be when you want to hear what's going on in baseball, on the field, off the field. We're going to cover it in depth. But this one was just right up my alley. You know my background with the Expos. Two years in Montreal, trying to see what could happen. Can it work? Can baseball work? Baseball takes over and then moves the team to Washington. There is no appreciable plan in Montreal to get a baseball team back. Montreal is being used by baseball as a stalking horse, as a possible relocation option. And Montreal is being used by Tampa as part of a, quote, split city scenario. So if you're new to the show, here's the plan by Tampa, where, by the way, they don't have a new stadium funded or finished or started. Let's start with that. They want to build an open air stadium in Tampa, Florida, an open air stadium. There is no place that needs a roof more than Tampa other than Miami. But I digress. An open air stadium from the ground up, not refurbishing one, repurposing a building, a convention center. They're going to build an open air stadium in Tampa. And then they're going to play there. Wait for it. In April, in May. Are you with me? And in June. Oh, it doesn't rain in April and May in Tampa. Horse hockey. Oh, it's not hot at all in April, May, or June. Oh, no. It's great in South Florida that time of year. Southwest Florida, whatever you want to call Tampa. But then 
They're going to pick up all their balls, all their bases. They're going to get the players in a charter jet, and they're going to do their best Toronto Blue Jays imitation and say, bye-bye, Dunedin. Bye-bye. Hello, Buffalo. Bye-bye, Buffalo. We're going back to Toronto. That's what the Blue Jays did this year, and they were miserable about it. But the Tampa Bay Royals, no, that was the Montreal Royals. That's the Kansas City Royals. I wonder what they're going to be called. The Tampa Bay Rexpos X-rays. Way, that's way better. Thank you. We got the name. It's the Tampa Real X-rays. They're going to pick up, mark that down, Coke. I love that as a name. The Tampa Real X-rays. They're going to pick up in June. Wave bye-bye to Tampa. Thank you so much for the sponsorship dollars. Thank you for buying your season tickets. It's only a 40-game plan. We appreciate that you sold out the ballpark in Tampa. We're going to go to Montreal, and we're going to play July, August, September in Montreal, where the weather is beautiful in July and August. September, it gets a little chilly, but it's going to be okay. Where are they going to play? Ah in a brand new open air stadium in Montreal. The chances of when we were there or baseball or Bronfman or anybody building a stadium without a roof in Montreal, it's asinine. But there'll be a brand new stadium in Tampa, open air, a brand new stadium in Montreal, open air. The players will land. They will find housing somehow for three months having signed a three-month deal in Tampa for the housing there, no problem. Teams know where they're going. If they're playing Tampa in the first half, the Yankees will go to Tampa April, May, June, and then they'll go to Montreal for the road series in July or September. Don't get me wrong. Road teams will be thrilled to go to Montreal. The home team players, eh, not so much. So they get to Montreal, brand new sales staff, all excited for another group of people who are buying half-season tickets. All is great. The team is firing all cylinders. Here comes October. I got an idea. Where are we going to play? Huh. Montreal open air October. All right, we'll do that. We may freeze our nipples off, but we'll do it. Hmm. But what about the Tampa people? What about those nice people in Tampa who used all that public money to build a stadium, and now the team is gone every October? Oh, Here's the solution. We'll switch off. One year we'll be in Tampa for the playoffs. One year we'll be in Montreal for the playoffs. It's perfect. What could possibly go wrong? Trolling is when Tampa continues to talk about this plan as though it's a fait accompli. The president of their team is a guy named Matt Silverman, who I've known since he got into baseball. Extremely smart, extremely well-spoken, extremely thoughtful, extremely good at his job, extremely. He was so good at being a president that he actually became a GM for a while, did a great job, and then said, you know what? I got a family. I'm going to go back to being president. I'd rather deal with the stadium nightmare than with the clubhouse nightmare. So Matt Silverman goes on the radio and says, the playoffs are starting soon. We're going to do something pretty funny. We are going to put an outfield sign in the trap in Tampa during the playoffs, which will be seen by everyone around this great fair world of ours. And it will be a sign promoting the Tampa Bay Montreal split season solution. Wow. 
epic. Why would he do that? Let's ask him and see what he says. He said, especially with the eyes of baseball on us this October, we want that visible symbol of our plan and our excitement for it. It will mark the effort subtly, subtly, and keep the focus on winning. You're right, because no one's talking about the sign. Totally right, Matt. GMAB. We believe in our sister city plan. Major League Baseball believes in it fully. And here we go. The quote of the day on nothing personal. It's the best and possibly only chance for baseball to be here for generations. And that's been our sole focus. It's never been about other markets and relocation overtures. It's always been about how we can make it work here. (laughs) Folks, the Tampa Bay Rays and their ownership group have been talking about relocating the team since the first time I ever spoke to them. It's been on their list of things to do, but they're playing it right because there's a lease in the trap that they can't get out of till 2027. They're almost at the end where they have to start building a new stadium. Imagine if they have to build two new stadia. Oh my God. I had enough service building one. It gave me heartburn. It gave me ulcers, hernias. Ah, we'll build two. It'll be fine. Wait till they start building in O Canada and then in O Florida. The price of materials is skyrocketing. This is a perfect plan. I don't know why he had to tell you, the fans, that relocation has never been what's been on our mind. The Tampa Bay Montreal Split City Solution is not about anything other than our love for Tampa. Really? How much money are you putting into the new ballpark, Tampa? Why haven't you tried to get a public-private partnership in Tampa? putting in the amount of money that we were willing to put in in Florida? The answer is because you don't want to be in Tampa. And that's fine. It's your team. You just have to pay a relocation fee or you can sell the team to someone who will get it done in Tampa. Hello, Mr. Vinnick, are you available? Anybody? I'm not going to ask the Glazers, but I could. But I think Vinnick may be a good choice, the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's completely redone Tampa and made the Lightning a Southern hockey team in the middle of 90 degree heat has made them a prime example of how to do it right in a franchise and how to get ancillary revenue. You're not happy where you're located. Do a real estate deal. Get a deal done. Get your hands dirty. Get down in the gutter. That's where you have to do it. But don't put a sign up in foul territory during the playoffs. Say that you're doing it by hiding behind baseball and the fact that you love your team, you want to keep winning, and everything's going to be A-OK. And then say this is the only chance you actually have of ever seeing baseball again, Tampa. And here we are in the playoffs with the best front office in baseball. Aren't you going to miss us? There's nothing subtle about that. What's your reason for saying it's subtle? Building a ballpark is complicated. It is risky. You have to negotiate stadium agreements that are long, detailed, with multiple sets of lawyers, environmental impact statements. It's complicated. Building two at once, count me out. They built Petco in San Diego. That is an amazing ballpark. Redid the entire downtown. Great public transportation. They've had everything in San Diego but a winning team. 
not for lack of trying, just for lack of competence. And believe me, I know what that looks like. I was always upset when people would say, hey, the Marlins stink, Samson, and you're the problem. They would say, man, you didn't spend any money. And I always wanted to say, no, no, no. It's not that we didn't spend money. We just spent it wrong. It's a big difference, isn't it? I guess in that way, it makes us more like San Diego. Do you know when I sit and talk to you about games and about being a president and you ask me, why don't you want to go back? If someone called you, would you want to run the Mets? Hey, Steve, I know you're not tweeting anymore since our little Twitter thing, since you falsely accused me of being a source, but you've totally disappeared. Are you without service? Are you? Oh, I know. Are you on the Colorado River whitewater rafting with only a satellite phone and no ability to get on Twitter? Have you not been watching the Mets completely fall out of contention and now finish below 500? Or are you just sulking because you got out-twittered? All I know is that when people say, do you want to go back? And I say, I really don't. I love working with Coke. I love doing nothing personal. I love being with you five days a week. And the other thing that I love is not having to worry as much as I worried for 81 home games. And I mean worried every minute of every game. I answered a question on a mailbag in recent months. I don't remember when about what it was like to be the president during home games where you're looking at the crowd You're walking around, you're talking to people, you're dealing with customer service issues, you're worried about food quality, you're worried about safety, you're worried about fighting, you're worried about people jumping on the field, you're worried about foul balls, you're worried about cracked bats. Simply, you are worried. You're worried about people getting run over in the parking lots. Insert joke here, there was nobody there, so who was going to get run over in the parking lots? It was pure social distancing before there was social distancing. I don't care if you have 5,000 people, 20,000 people, or 30,000 people. When you are responsible, you are responsible. When you feel it the way I felt it, it hurts. There was a horrific accident at Petco Park this weekend where a mother and and her two-year-old child fell off the concourse. Six stories to their deaths during a game fell right onto the street, ironically called Tony Gwynn Drive, with the father in the ballpark. They don't really know what happened. They don't know, was it suicide? Was it murder? They don't know anything. There are cameras that they can check and look around. But when you have something like that that happens, that, that's the number one, right? We practice and plan for things like that to happen. For We told you how we would rehearse for active shooters. I would work with my PR guys and we'd have things ready. We'd have statements ready for fights, for arrests, for crimes, for death, everything was ready. What the Padres did after this accident is they released a statement saying, we are aware of the incident on Tony Gwynn Drive and first responders are on the scene, said their VP of communications. Due to the ongoing investigation, we are not able to comment further at this time. All media inquiries should be directed to the San Diego Police Department. When I go back and think about what statements we had ready for examples like this, it didn't look like that. I understand why the VP of communications is the one giving the statement. I would have done the same. I would have had PJ Loyello doing it. He was our senior VP of communications. 
but I would have had, and every statement has to include a comment about how you feel about what happened. We are aware of the incident and we are thinking and praying for the family of those who were lost. We're aware of the incident and we are working closely to make sure that Petco Park is perfectly safe for you and your family. We are aware of the incident and we are trying to figure out what exactly what happened and we will get to you as soon as we know with what we are doing to ensure that something like this never happens again. There are layers of the announcement that you go through. The people who don't comment when there is an act of violence in theory are those who are at risk of being charged in said act. As a team, we say when there's a DUI, we're aware of the incident, but we'll have no further comment. If someone dies as a result of one of your players driving drunk, you're going to say quite a bit more than that. We had an incident where the five-year anniversary was this week. We acknowledged at the time and continue to acknowledge to this day the fact that three people passed away. Jose Fernandez plus two others. Anything is right as long as it's something. To not acknowledge what happened is to show fear. It's to show stupidity. It's to show pettiness. And no, I'm not talking about the Marlins not recognizing the five-year anniversary of Jose's death. You can insert whatever adjective you want into their silence. I don't need to do it for you. Their silence spoke volumes on September 25th. But when you are dealing with tragedy the way Petco is, it is so critical what your first words are. I can only tell you that if I were on the scene, I would have gone, if I were in the ballpark at the game, and there's a good chance I would have been, I would have ended up going to the scene. I would have been seen and talking to the head of security. Then the police would have come, 911 would have come, first responders both in the ballpark and from outside. I would have made sure that I was dealing with the area, cordoning it off, dealing with the jumbotron with messages, dealing with the media through our VP of communications. All those things would be going on at once, knowing the only thing I couldn't do was not acknowledge the heartbreak, the tragedy of the circumstance. That is something that for whatever reason, and I cannot figure out the reason, there are people who, when it is so easy just to acknowledge what you've done, what you've seen, and what you're doing, refuse to do any of those three. It happened in the steroid era. Not going to admit it. Didn't do it. Not going to say it. Happens with foreign substances. Nope, don't do it. Not using it. Cork. It happened so many. Didn't cheat. No, no buzzers, no garbage cans, no stolen anything. No shenanigans vis-a-vis -vis the rain delay and getting your pitcher up and getting him burnt and then the rain comes. Nope, didn't do that. People don't ever want to admit when they're Machiavellian. I'm the opposite. Not only do I admit it, but I 
applaud it. That's how I used to be when I ran a team. I'm going to step on you while beating you and then tell you that I just have new shoes that have crap on the bottom of them. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But people tend to remember we talked about Ryan Braun, Ryan Braun, where he did steroids and then denied he did it and then blamed the test taker and the test collector. And I told you that that to me is the end of Ryan Braun's legacy. They retired his number this weekend, the same day the Brewers won the division. Congrats to Yelly. Keep going, Yelly. Picked you to go win the World Series, you know, in my all-star break picks. Ryan Brown gets his number retired. The owner, Mark Antonazio, talks about what an example he is. An example of what? Well, he's not the only athlete who's get, got caught line. There is a Dallas Cowboys player, and this is a good one. His name is Lyle Collins. He was, let me give you the story of Lyle Collins. He's a right tackle, plays for the Cowboys. So there's drug tests in the NFL. You got to show up and do it, right? You show up. Sometimes it's it's in your facility. Sometimes it's off season. You have to go to a place and you've got to, you know, pull out the your tube and then put pee in and then drug test, et cetera. That was a Lawrence Taylor reference, pulling out the tube. You're supposed to pull out your penis, but some people have a tube that they put in there so their urine can be clean. Yes, that's happened. That's why the test collectors now have to go watch you. So he was suspended because he was suspended five games. He missed a bunch of tests, and that's what you do when you're doing drugs and you don't want to get tested. He claimed, oh, I'm sick. My dog died. Someone else died. We have a friend who had a funeral. My car ran out of gas. My kids have back to school night. Whatever the case may be, he missed myriad tests, Lyell did. And MLB and NFL cut Coca, ready? And we're back. Four, six, nine. Lyell had missed a ton of tests, Lyell Collins of the Dallas Cowboys, all to get his drug test done. And the NFL finally said, that's enough. You're suspended. They suspended him five games. Then the NFL PA got involved and said, you know, he doesn't deserve five games. Let's bring it down. Let's negotiate a smaller number. The NFL PA goes to the NFL and says, all right, we're good with two. They go to Lyle Collins and Collins says, no way, man, we're going to a hearing. I'm not going to accept two games. I'm going to grieve it. We're going to hear it. It goes to a hearing. The arbitrator says, you know what? You're right. You don't get two games. I got a better idea. You're suspended for five games. The original suspension because of how egregious it is what you did. What did you do? He tried to bribe the league's drug test collector. <laughs> that means that the guy who takes your pee pee, you say to him, hey, listen, I'll give you, I'll give you a thousand bucks. I'll give you an autographed jersey. Just do me a favor. Either pee in the cup with your own pee or if possible, on the way to the FedEx, could you trip and fall and somehow the vial opens and it goes and then you have to report the fact that it's your fault that the vial broke and come back and see me another day. And then when you come back another day, if you would do me a favor and forget where I live, because I'm not telling you where I'm going to be, I'll give you another grand for that. 
can you imagine how that conversation goes with the test collector? Hey, John, it's Lyell. Yeah, I'm not lying. I'm not yelling, but I'm just saying, do me a favor. Take my money, but don't take my pee-pee. Now, I want to be very clear what's at stake here. What's at stake is that this suspension, Collins, who's not a nobody, he's losing $2 million in salary. All right. But here's what else the NFL does. When you get caught like this under the CBA, your injury guarantee disappears. An injury guarantee is when you're playing in one season and then you have a guarantee the next money, the next year that you get, even if you get injured. The guarantee that Collins had for next year was worth about six and a half million dollars under the CBA. That is no longer a guarantee. So if he's a hurt player, which happens all the time in the NFL, he misses out on that money. But the guarantee is he misses out on two million dollars. I couldn't stop any of that as president of a team. You can't stop players. I don't blame David Stearns or any GM or any owner, Mark Antonazio of the Brewers, for what Ryan Braun did. I don't blame Jerry Jones. And believe me, I'd be the first one to blame GM Jerry Jones, owner Jerry Jones, for having players on his team who are this morally corrupt and bankrupt and who would absolutely bribe a drug testing collector. But I don't. Because these players, this was not done with the permission of the Cowboys. Believe me, I'd like you to say it was. Even if I knew that a player of mine was doing steroids and I knew that he was being tested, I would not give up my career by giving that player notice, hey, you're about to be randomly tested. Hey, you better go to the training room and act like you're dead and we'll push it off for another day or three or five or 10. The reason I'm not going to do that is I have an entire career. I have an entire reputation and I'm not going to let one player get in the way of that. So I'm not going to knowingly aid and abet in what I'm not going to say it's a crime crime, but it sure as heck is a misdemeanor. I sort of wonder how that ends. Oh, I know. With a five game suspension. All right, we come back. We're reviewing a mini series that I just finished with Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy. It's called Nine Perfect Strangers. We'll be right back. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Hope you had a great weekend. Hell of a sports weekend. Packers came back to win, made me very happy. Raiders beat the Dolphins. 
with that crazy safety play. If you didn't watch it, check it out. Coca's Ravens are on fire. They lost their whole team. They hit a 66-yard field goal with no seconds left on the play clock. Longest field goal ever. Ravens are fire. I'm still watching movies. One a day. I've been watching for the last several weeks something called Nine Perfect Strangers. Nine Perfect Strangers is based on a book. It's executive produced by Melissa McCarthy of Bridesmaids. Here, by the way, I'm going to review The Starling tomorrow. I'm watching The Starling. I want to do a Melissa McCarthy back-to-backer. So I'm going to watch The Starling today, which stars Melissa McCarthy from Bridesmaids and Chris O'Dowd from Bridesmaids as well. And it is a, uh, I'm pretty sure it's not an uplifting movie, but I'll let you know tomorrow. So Melissa McCarthy plays an author. Nicole Kidman plays a, a what's the word, a Maharaja? And you are the Maharaja. I'm channeling Moulin Rouge, which I also watched in the middle of the night two nights ago. Couldn't sleep. Don't know why. Didn't have any caffeine because I don't have caffeine ever. But I ended up watching Moulin Rouge in the middle of the night because I felt like it. I am the evil Maharaja. Oh, no one can play him like you do, Siddler. No one will. That's from Moulin Rouge, which kicked ass in the Tonys last night. There's a musical based on the movie Moulin Rouge. And it was outstanding. I was lucky enough to see it. And it was great. It won the Tony for musical and actor and costume and everything else. Congratulations to Moulin Rouge. So Nicole Kidman plays this part of a woman who has a tragic past. She's Russian. She comes to America and opens up a spa called Tranquility. But this is not an ordinary spa. This is a spa where some weird stuff happens. And nine perfect strangers enter. Michael Shannon, who is a brilliant actor brilliant actor. He's there with his wife and daughter. Then you've got a husband and a wife. Then you've got an author who's there alone, a former pro football player who's there alone. Then you've got a woman who's there alone. You're not exactly sure why. During the course of this, I don't know if it's seven episodes or eight, you learn to discover exactly what's going on in tranquility. And it is less than tranquil. It's not a horror movie. It is a a series that gets into healing, spirituality, drugs. It's outstanding. I couldn't wait for each episode. And now you can binge it if you have Hulu. If you don't get Hulu, this is a great binge. You won't stop. You watch it straight through. I cannot possibly tell you how much I enjoyed Nine Perfect Strangers. But I just tried. So the baseball season is coming to an end. And uh, what we're doing now, if you're out of the playoffs, you start, you're really beginning to plan your offseason already, even though you still have a week left in the season. The Chicago Cubs have been planning this offseason since the trade deadline when they traded Rizzo and Baez and Kimbrell and Bryant. I told you then, and I say it again, that was the right move for the Cubs. The Cubs are not good. Those players are not worth what they want. There is some discussion where they offered anything, where they not. None of that matters. We are going into now planning, planning. The first thing you need when you are planning your season, you've been a part of nothing personal for 452 episodes. What's the first thing you need when you're planning next season? I'll pause and I'll wait for someone from the studio audience. Ready? You. Yes. No, you don't need the schedule. Thank you. No, but it's good to have the schedule, but you don't need it. Okay. What do you need when you're planning the off season? 
a your no, you don't need a list of people on your roster. I mean, that's good to know oh, roster spots. You said no, it's good to know how many roster spots you have, but you can create roster spots. That's not it either. Anybody else? Anyone want to fashion a guess? Yes, yes. Larry, I know. Oh, you know the answer. You need a payroll. Yes, sir. The first thing you need when you're planning your offseason is for your owner to give you the payroll. That's the number one. You go through months of budgeting, which you start in July. You do budget for next year, July, August, September. Then you go to your owner and say, here's the budget. Here's the assumptions on revenue. Here's the assumptions on expense. There's a blank where payroll goes. You fill in the blank. Go full Mad Libs on me, baby. I'm so excited about 2022 that I'm willing to risk blank. That's what you got to know. So once you have the payroll, then the baseball people get together. They make a list. They have a list of every free agent on their team, every free agent on every team. Then they have a list of needs for their team. The Cubs, they need nothing but pitching, bullpen, offense, and defense. That's it. So they've got that list. Then they go down and they look around at players. Then they start thinking about what they're going to do because free agency starts only a few short days after the World Series, assuming there's no lockout. But you go into an offseason and you assume balls to the wall. Is that an appropriate expression? Alo mentioned balls to the wall on the broadcast of the Yankee Red Sox game last night when Stanton hit another huge gargantuan, making his presence known as the Yankees swept the Red Sox in the eighth inning. And Hayrod said, it's balls to the wall. I'm not sure you can say that, although it's cable. I mean, on a podcast, we can say shit, but we don't like to. Anyway, <sighs> Jed Hoyer of the Cubs is their president of baseball operations, took over for Theo. And for whatever reason, Jed Hoyer felt the need, and I can't figure out why. He felt the need to tell all the people in Cubs land that they are going to be very active in free agency. Why? I don't care if you're the largest market team out there. You do not set your fans up by saying we are going to be very active in free agency because guess what? I have a surprise for you. Bozos, not the listeners I'm talking about all the executives who don't pay attention to this kind of stuff. Every team in baseball is active in free agency, but are you active at the top end with the best players or are you active with the middle guys making eight to 10 million or do you do a Marlin special and sign a bunch of free agents at a million dollars to split deals, minor league, major league contracts? If you make the team, you get $1.2 million. And if you make 10 starts, we'll give you another $3 million. Look at us. We're active. Or are the Cubs saying they're going to win the offseason like the Marlins did in 2012 and couldn't win another game after that? Like the Padres did this offseason and then pfft, nothing. Don't tell your fan base, hey, we're going for it. We're going to be active. We're going to spend stupid money, as John Middleton of the Phillies said. What he meant to say is we're going to spend money stupidly. So Jed Hoyer says we're going to be active. And then he said, but we're going to spend money intelligently. This is the same organization that broke it all the way down and only signed Edwin Jackson in the middle of a rebuild because their owner Ricketts was so despondent, they lost so much money that they lost so many games, excuse me, that he said, do me a favor, sign this guy. They gave Edwin Jackson, what was it, Coca? 
I want to say four years for $48 million, some ridiculous contract. And Edwin's a great guy. And he was on the Marlins. I think he's been on 24 teams, but an absolute waste of a free agent signing, not intelligent to say the least, but done out of desperation for losing so much. But if you say that you're going to spend it intelligently, does that mean you don't make signs like Edwin Jackson, four for 52? Thank you, Coca. I was close. I said four for 48. Holy cow, 13 million a year times four years for Edwin Jackson. Oi, that's Edwin Jackie and Chen. But better by 30 million bucks. Ugh. So what do you think, Cubs fans? Are you excited? Think you're getting Scherzer? How about Syndergaard? The Mets are trying to pitch Syndergaard and DeGrom to prove DeGrom's healthy so he can feel better and to prove Syndergaard's healthy so they can decide to give him a qualifying offer? Give me a break. If you have DeGrom signed to a long-term deal, you do not pitch him the rest of the season. But the rumors are rampant in New York. Hey, we may pitch him. We may take a look at DeGrom. Forget about it. Syndergaard? Who cares if you're giving him the qualifying offer? What's he going to show? Throw an inning? Oh, God, I'm good. I threw two innings in the bullpen. Ah, my arm doesn't hurt. Sign me to a long-term deal worth 25 a year for six years. I'm Noah Syndergaard. I don't think the Cubs are going to be active in free agency at the high end, the way you think. Spending money intelligently when you know you're a team that's not ready to win right now, that you don't have the pieces. You've got Hendricks and a bunch of question marks and you're in your pitching rotation. Your lineup is full of some performing older rookies right now, but not you're not close. If I'm Jed Howard, just say the opposite. Hey, we are not at all satisfied with where this team is, and we are going to work hard this offseason to return the Cubs to our rightful place at the top of our division. Done. There's the comment. You didn't say you're going to spend money. You didn't say you're going to be intelligent. You didn't say you're going to be active. You just said what all the executives say, which is a bunch of horse hockey, as you know. Ah, We just want to return ourselves to our rightful place at the top. <sighs> Whatever. All right. Nothing personal pick of the day. How do we do? Have the St. Louis Cardinals lost at all recently? Is it possible the St. Louis Cardinals have won 16 games in a row, having swept a doubleheader when we had them on Friday and we had Flaherty pitching on the night game and the Cards won? And then the Cards came back to win again Saturday and Sunday from behind. And now they've won 16 in a row, having ended the wild card race. Pretty unbelievable. That was a win for us. Then Saturday, we had the Red Sox over the Yankees. We had no idea that John Carlos Stan would hit a grand slam, but I should have known having texted with him earlier in the day and talking about that day and how depressed we were on September 25th, five years ago and four years ago and three years ago and two years ago and last year and then two days ago. I knew Stanton would do something, but I'd done my pick of the day and wasn't thinking straight. The Red Sox did not beat the Yankees because Stanton is Stanton. And then Sunday, we had a winner. Gruden, minus four over the Dolphins. They're down 14-0. They come back. They're winning 25-17. Somehow the backup to Tua, who's not. I don't even know who he is. Is it Jacob Frizzle? Frissette? Brissette? I don't remember what his name is. Jacoby Brissette had an unbelievable fourth quarter. Unbelievable final drive. They tie the game. The Raiders win in overtime. So we lose the pick and the Dolphins lose the game. That means we only went one and two. I'm sorry. 
124 and 105. That's our record. We're going to watch Monday Night Football tonight because anytime you can watch the Eagles play the Cowboys and you're a Giants fan, you do it because it's one of the very few times that you get to watch a game and pray for a tie, if not a rainout. How can you root for the Cowboys or the Eagles? I'm taking my emotion out of it. Eagles plus three and a half. I want that extra hook tonight. That's the pick of the day. All right, I want to talk some wait to see right now, if you don't mind. Uh, wait to see is when we say something's going to happen. And then maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. But either way, we do revisit it. I like revisiting wait to sees with you all because you think I forget about them and I don't. We write down every single wait to see on a spreadsheet. I don't want to be like those other people who have podcasts or who are on digital or, or cable who just talk for the sake of talking. They don't know squat about ding. And they just give you hot take after hot take with reckless indifference toward whether or not they actually believe it. My wake to sees I actually think are going to happen. And when they don't, I say, hey, it didn't happen. I've got in front of me two pieces of paper that are all the baseball wait to sees that will come home to roost at the end of the season. Some of them, however, have already come home to roost. On March 1st, 2021, before the season even started. By the way, is that really the date that it was? March 1st, a few spring training games had taken place. Everyone was all excited when you win spring training games. And I told you they don't mean a thing. Who cares? The Miami Marlins and the Kansas City Royals worked so hard to win their respective spring training leagues. The Royals kicked ass in the cactus and the Marlins ran away in the grapefruit. And believe me, I was like this. I wanted to win the grapefruit league. I wanted to win every spring training game because then I could say to my fans, hey, we have a good team. We're in it. Let's buy tickets. Let's get excited. And then you get into June, July, August, and you realize, oh, my God, we're terrible. But then you start selling next season. But on March 1st, I told you that the winner of the Cactus and the Grapefruit League, whoever they are, the winner will not make the playoffs. Well, guess what? The Cactus League ended and the Royals and Marlins have been eliminated from the playoffs. That wait to see was correct. On March 19th, 2021, before the season had even started, the Mets made this huge acquisition for Carlos Carrasco and Francisco Lindor. All the papers were super duper excited. Carlos Carrasco coming off injury, lack of performance. He's going to come in and save that rotation with Noah Syndergaard out. A brilliant move by the new Steve Cohn. That's when you all loved him. And I said, hey, don't get so excited. Carlos Carrasco will not start 20 games this year. Trust me. Well, guess what? He started yesterday got rocked. He's so bad in the first inning, by the way. They did get to watch the Brewers celebrate on the field. I wonder if they enjoyed that. I hated watching teams celebrate. I'd sit there and watch them. But I said Carrasco would have under 20 starts, and guess what? He did. That's a wait to see from March 19, 2021, and it is correct. On August 31st, 2021, just a month ago, there was some talk by the Anaheim Angels that Trout may not come back. 
That's when Otani had the shoulder and I gave you two weight to seize telling you Otani's not going to pitch again and telling you that Trout is done. Too much money invested in him. He's been out since May with the calf. Don't screw around with the calf. You don't want to pop it in his first game back. Let him rest it. Have a good offseason. It's not like he needs to prove to himself or to anyone else that he's one of the best players in baseball. Not the best, but one of the best. It was announced yesterday that Mike Trout's done for the season, meaning he won't play in the last week. So that way to see, that's a yes. So I'm watching sort of the wild cards unfold. I'm watching the races. The Braves and Phillies are in a race. The Giants and Dodgers are in a race to win divisions in the NL East and NL West. The AL wild card is still a race between the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Yankees. I'll tell you where there is no race. The Anaheim Angels are not in a race. The St. Louis Cardinals are not in a race. There is no wild card race in the National League. None. It will be the Cardinals flying west for a game on Wednesday, October. Uh, I don't remember the date. Sunday, Saturday's the second, Sunday's the third. That means Monday's the fourth, Tuesday's the fifth, Wednesday's the sixth. On Wednesday, October 6th, 2021, the St. Louis Cardinals will be in either San Francisco or Los Angeles. But I told you on September 2nd, when September 1st started, I said the National League wildcard second team, that's going to come down to the Reds and Phillies. Eh. It was the Cardinals. The Reds and Padres, they weren't even close. I said the Reds and Padres would fight it out, but they didn't. So that's it for that. That way to see was a big no. So Otani pitches yesterday, has a great game, 10 strikeouts, seven innings, basically wraps up the MVP. I thought Vladimir Guerrero could sneak in, but Otani came back to pitch. And that wasn't the most interesting part of Otani's day yesterday. Shohei Otani met the media and did something that is very rare for a Japanese player to do. I never heard Ichiro talk this way at all, or Mitsui. Shohei came out and said, listen, I want to win. I'm going to be a free agent at the end of 2023, and my goal is to win, and we're not doing enough winning here. I found that very interesting because he still has two years to go before he's a free agent. Was he like laying down the gauntlet to Anaheim? Hey, if we don't win in the next two seasons, we need better players. You heard Joe Madden in a previous show, the manager saying, hey, we got to get pitching, and I mean ready to win pitching now. Maybe Otani doesn't want to be the ace anymore. But for Otani to come out and say, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do if we don't win. I got to wait to see for you. Shohei Otani will re-sign with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Shohei Otani, it is very likely had a deal in place with the Anaheim Angels when he signed out of Japan, which would be a violation. And baseball is going to be looking very carefully. Shohei Otani may say he wants to win but I think he's getting paid by the angels and we will wait to see when it happens. And that's it for Monday. God, that went so fast. Coca. Thank you for being here. Hope you had a great weekend. We will be back tomorrow. And remember even Shohei knows this. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 